Hey, hey, welcome back to Can I Eat This? I'm your host, Heather Horton, and this week we have Jessica Orden, who is a type 1 diabetic. And she is, it's interesting because she was diagnosed in her late 20s, which is kind of on the more unusual end. Most people with type 1 diabetes are diagnosed earlier in life. But she was diagnosed at 29, which is, which is, um, can be kind of, uh, it can turn your world upside down, basically. So she talks about that and how she was able to kind of get on a different path with her exercise and how that, you know, led into um, her, her pole dancing and competitive pole dancing. And she's actually an instructor. She's, it's pretty impressive, but how that kind of led into the, you know, her, her normal routine in terms of checking her blood sugar levels and all that jazz and what she's eating. She also lays out the differences, some of the major differences between type 1 and type 2 diabetes. So if you're unsure about that, this is a good episode because um, she kind of lays that out in terms of food and what what is not known by most people who don't have either. And um, and something, I think another note that kind of came up is, is um, kind of a good lesson is to listen to your friends and family, the ones that you can trust. Listen to them. Because if they're telling you something seems off, listen. Because sometimes when something's right in front of us, when something's right in front of our face, we don't always see it. But if someone, a loved one, whether it be a friend or family, if they tell you something seems off, listen to them. Because maybe they're observing something outside of you that you're not seeing. And I think that was pretty important in Jessica's case with her with her mom, which is great. She's very lucky to have her mom who is a nurse. So I think this is a great episode, you guys. Um... So settle in, and uh, without further ado, here's Jessica Orden. Hello, hello. I am here. Welcome back, I guess I should say, to the Can I Eat This podcast. And I'm here with Jessica Orden. And um, Jessica is kind of a badass, but, um, well, she is a badass. But we're going to talk about some type 1 diabetes today, you guys. So um, welcome, Jessica. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Cool. Well, listen, I, I just want to kind of get into your situation. Uh, most people with type 1 diabetes, they're, most people are diagnosed earlier in life, mm-hmm. and you are very special. You were diagnosed a little bit later, so I want to yeah. kind of hear about what went down with that, and how did it shake up your world, and you know, what's your story, girl? Oh, Tell yeah, me. totally, totally. So, um, so I'm a, in the weird like subset of adults that get diabetes late in life tends to happen to people. If it's going to happen, it's happening in their late 20s and early 30s. Um, And basically, uh, it's autoimmune, right? So there's nothing that you can do to stop it. It's like if you have this autoimmune gene that switches on, you're going to get it. Um, And so basically, uh, an autoimmune response is triggered in your body. The cells believe that your own cells are something that they need to attack and get rid of. Uh, in this case, in my case, it's my insulin producing cells in my pancreas. So um, so my body said, hey, we hate you now and we're gonna shut you down. And so, um, so my pancreas stopped producing insulin. Uh, this is all unbeknownst to me. Um, and there's no way to pinpoint when exactly it started to happen. But I will say that um, almost two years ago at this time, I was like, 
like eating like a monster. I was getting really, really thin. And I mean, I'm like physically active and um, generally just in really good shape most of the time. But like, I mean, like I was really skinny. Like my mom like saw me and looked at me and she was like, your butt is flat. There's something wrong with you. And I was like, <laughs> you know, and then this is the other thing is that I was like, shut up, mom. You always think that. And then she's like, oh, you're irritable. So like, um, so the irritability was another part, like another symptom that I didn't know I had because uh, my blood sugar was chronically high, right? So the reason that you lose weight um, when you're in that state is that your blood sugars are rising. Your body can't get nutrition out of your food. So it starts to just break down its own kind of tissue and, and everything to try to get nutrients because you're not getting it from what you're eating. So like I said, really skinny, uh, really irritable because uh, my blood sugars were trending really, really high, like probably on average in the three and four hundreds daily, um, drinking water all the time. But I just thought like, hey, like I'm a runner, I'm, I'm always drinking water. So like I didn't even notice how much water I was drinking. And then um, and then, uh, yeah, there's like a lot of other, like you're peeing all the time as well because you're drinking so much water, but also your body is just like flushing out blood sugar constantly. So you're pretty much in a total state of de dehydration. And then, um, yeah, so I was going through all of this uh, and like, like finally like had the sense to go to a doctor and be like, hey, like something's wrong with me. You know, like I'm really tired all the time and I'm like drinking three and four coffees to get through the day. And I'm like eating like a monster and I'm really skinny right now. And I don't know why I'm not like, you know, I feel really weak. I'm like not getting stronger. And, uh, I actually, I had a lot of issues with my doctors cause I said, I've had an issue with like thyroid stuff in the past. So she ran a thyroid test and didn't do a full panel. Um, so that's like something that I would advise if there's something going on with you, ask your doctor to run a full panel for you and not just one test. Um, but I didn't know that I needed to like ask her to do that. So she ran one test and of course it came back fine. My thyroid wasn't doing anything. So it was like, okay, your thyroid's normal. Um, so then after like another two weeks, I went back and saw somebody else and was like, will you please run a full panel? Cause I think that something is wrong. And my mom is a nurse too. So my mom was also like, yeah, something's off. Go ask them to do this. Well, uh, I got these results um, from the lab by my email and um, it was a little bit of a communication error on the part of the lab and also on the part of the practitioner that I saw that um, these labs showed that I had like a blood sugar fasting of like 336, which like normal range is between 70 and 140. So, um, and anything above 100 for fasting for a regular person is kind of high. So, um, so then, so, and then that, and then it showed that I was dehydrated and it showed that my kidneys were having some functional issues because they're working overtime to try to flush all the blood sugar out of my body. And, uh, and uh, so I looked at these results. I was like, I don't know what this means. So I sent them to my mom and she flipped her lid and was like, you're diabetic and you, you need to be seen by a medical professional very soon, like this week now, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I wound up, it was actually bad. You shouldn't have to do this, but I wound up like, um, just going into the ER and being like, Hey, I think something's going on with me. I don't feel right. And I, I mean, like by this point I was really like dragging myself through the week. The other thing that my vision was blurring, like I was having like, <laughs> like major issues, like things that didn't feel right or normal. Um, and, uh, and I should have been able to go into a doctor's office and have them fix that with me. But like the way that bureaucratics works with scheduling appointments with people. Um, it was kind of like an urgent issue that should have been taken care of right away. Cause with that situation, you can tip over into like DKA and have all these, you can go into a coma. Like there's a lot of things that can happen very badly with that. And so I wound yeah. up just, um, yeah, taking myself to the ER. I was like, Hey, this is what I think is going on. And, um, 
And they uh, did a little finger stick and the blood sugar came back as like 555. And they were like, okay, we're going to, people are going to get to bed. Like, you know, <laughs> so I, like, I've never been to the ER for anything in my entire life. So I was just like, oh, like, this is happening. You know, like they're sticking an IV in my arm and like, like it didn't really hit me until, um, you know, they took lab work and like this nurse comes over and she looks at me and she goes, are you feeling like faint or woozy? I'm like a little bit, I guess. Like I'm a little overwhelmed. And she's like, is your vision blurring? And I was like, oh my God, like my vision is blurring. Yes. Like I'm I hadn't really realized up to that point, um, the extent to which I was having like, like vision problems and just all this other stuff. Cause I was just going about my day to day life and like, just, you know, your body adjusts to sickness. Um, and so you don't feel sometimes what you're really going through. Um, and so the vision blurring, I, th I thought that was from looking at my phone. Like I thought it was, um, yeah. I didn't, I never thought it was a symptom. And then it, it really hit me like right at that moment. I'm like, my vision is blurring. That's what's happening. It's because I'm, I'm diabetic. Like this is what's happening to me. So anyway, um, I got the help that I needed. They put me on insulin. My blood sugar went down right away. They actually found, they're like, oh, you're very insulin sensitive. You don't need a lot of insulin. Um, to function or to get your blood sugar in normal range. After a couple days in the hospital, they sent me home and, um, and I kind of just had to, you know, it's like scary at first because you're injecting yourself um, with a drug. <laughs> and so you're like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? Um, they're like, you're, you have this, we're going to educate you, you can handle it. And you're like, no, I can't, like, I can't, I can't give myself shots. Like, I don't, what? Like, no. Um, and, uh, and they send you with a glucose meter as well. So you're sticking your fingers and checking your blood sugar to make sure you're regulating it. Um, and so it just wound up being this like big life adjustment. Uh, and I would say that it took, um, a couple of months before I started to feel really like, okay, like I kind of have a handle on this and now, um, it's, it's been, it'll be my two year anniversary in May. Um, and I'll say that now I am at a place where I almost will forget that I'm diabetic sometimes. And then like, I'm like, oh yeah, like <laughs> I have to check my blood sugar. Like I start eating. I'm like, oh, you know, I got to take insulin for that. Like, I, let me like, and then everybody that's around me knows now too. So I used to get shy about um, like whipping out my needles and stuff in public. And now I just do it um, because what I learned is like, m like nobody is going to see you anyway. Um, nobody cares. Uh, and then like very seldom is somebody actually ballsy enough to ask like, Hey, what are you, like, what are you doing? Or like, you know, it's been a very, <laughs> yeah, it's been very few environments where somebody has actually looked and going, Oh my God, like, what do you, like, are you like, what are you, are, um, you know, or somebody will be like, Oh, my grandma checks her blood sugar. I'm like, yeah, like it's kind of the same idea, you know? Yeah. My God, I get, and, and I would imagine that it would be kind of a huge shakeup because you were, um, what, how old were you when you were diagnosed? Um, 29. 29. Yeah. yeah so you've gone on 29. You are pretty much just bumping along in life and then boom, this thing happens. So yeah, I can imagine, mm -hmm. I, it doesn't surprise me of you that you forget, kind of quote unquote, forget every now and then that you're dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you just, it's one of those things. Um, going back to what you were saying about the blood panel, I think that's a good point. Um, it, it's, uh, but a lot of times the doctors don't order it the, the full panel if because they know like your insurance might get hit harder mm -hmm. if you know mm -hmm. or you might get charged mm -hmm. something more and they just mm -hmm. want to kind of keep it kind of you know whatever but yeah you're right you have to kind of sometimes be your own advocate and and ask them you know can I have you the full do. panel please that'd be great and do. just do it I mean yeah it is unfortunate kind of the, the the state that we're in as far as our healthcare system where we have to worry about, our doctors are even worried about it. Oh, I got to worry mm -hmm. about if this patient's going to get charged a bazillion dollars for me ordering a full blood panel. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just stupid, mm -hmm. but that's, that's where we're at. Um, yeah. And also a little sidebar, a friend of mine 
started having vision issues and totally healthy guy. You know, you look at him, you know, he's very uh, athletic, very active, whatever. Got so far, went to the doctor, nothing. They sent him to, um, you know, get glasses. He mm-hmm. went so far as to get glasses and just was telling me, oh, it, it kind of helps. No, it turns out he was diabetic. So, uh, <gasps> oh my gosh. yeah, he, he, they just kind of bypassed mm-hmm. everything and got glasses. And then it just was like, you know, oh, yeah. something's still not right. And, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's diabetic. It's weird. So, I mean, the symptoms manifest differently for different people. And then it also, I mean, and it's something I think type when you get it late in life, it's so unusual to have type one diabetes late in life and you don't present like a typical type two, right? So you're not like, you're not right. overweight, you're not older, you're not, so you're like, you look like a young, healthy person on the outside. So these practitioners aren't, they're not looking for it, you know, exactly. and then you present them all these symptoms that are typical diabetes symptoms, and they don't see it. So you know, when you say things like, Oh, yeah, like, I'm really exhausted. and I'm eating all the time. And I'm skinny. And they're like sitting in their office with a water and a cup of coffee. You're like, Hey, I gotta go pee. Like, you know, and you, they don't realize that you're, you know, you're like, I'm having night sweats, things like this, that they're that are like symptoms of trying your body, like, freaking out and they're not um you know they're not thinking she's a type 1 diabetic they're just like oh it's this 20 something with a weird issue like yeah yeah and and shout out to you know the medical professionals that do yeah stick with it they stick with it because they're they are literally trying to um figure it's a puzzle and mm-hmm. they you give them all the pieces and people don't always like to tell them everything but please tell True. them everything because yeah. that helps them figure out the the you know the the pieces to the puzzle and then like you said you weren't typical so they're they're kind of looking at other things and then finally they get to that point and it's not that they're not good at what they're doing it's just they have to kind of rule some stuff out first exactly Exactly. And there are a lot of really good, um, especially where I am in San Diego, uh, there's a lot of great resources for diabetes and people with diabetes here because we have a lot of medical research and biomedical companies down here. So I've been really fortunate in that respect as well. And the um, the endocrinologist that I see now is really fantastic. So it's not to say that... um, you know, that you shouldn't trust your, (laughs) that you shouldn't trust your medical professionals. Um, it's just that sometimes you, if you think that there's something wrong and it's not, um, you know, if it, if it's not being resolved, it's like, yes, keep, keep going back. And it's hard and sometimes a little costly. Um, but, but it's worth it to get to the bottom of a situation like that. Cause if I hadn't, um, if I hadn't insisted and gone back and had a full panel done, I wouldn't have known that my blood sugars were trending like that. I could have easily like, People usually go in, um, people can pass out, people can go in in yeah. a coma, people can, I mean, you get really, really sick. Um, so yeah, so there's really a really serious, yes, I was yeah. spared a lot of the very serious stuff because, uh, cause I went back and asked for that full panel and moreover, because I had a, like somebody, I had a second opinion, right? My mom is a nurse and she was the one that looked at it right away and said, yeah, you got to get this taken care of right now. So yeah. And here's the thing. They don't know if you don't come back to mm-hmm. them and say, Hey, I'm still not feeling okay, or something's not right. They don't know. They send you on your way, mm-hmm. and they and they, if they don't hear back from you, they they assume that you're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Yet they don't, you know, they don't know unless you come back and be like I'm still not okay, and they're like, okay, let's look at this, yes. and then they and they go from there. Yes. Um, but tell, yeah, definitely be your own advocate. Come back, let them know if you're not feeling okay. Woo. Okay, so. From that point on, you gave the whole shebang, which is fabulous. Thank you for giving me the whole story. Um, <laughs> and San Diego is great, right? Because they have like, it's, it's a, it's, you've got the military stuff down mm-hmm. there. And I feel like because of the military stuff, you have a whole bunch of really good 
medical. I know um, some physical therapists down there, they have really good pediatric stuff mm-hmm. or like, you know, for the um, military kiddos. But um, yeah. So where did you go from here? You you have your resources, you have your mom, wow. you know, you're super active. How did that affect how you approached your exercise at that point yeah. and your eating and that kind of thing? Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, when I was in the hospital, like it, it was really scary for me actually, because um, I, I had a lifelong fear of needles and suddenly I have these people that are telling me like, you're going to inject yourself every day. And I'm like, like freaking out, like, oh my God. And they show me, you know, when you're in the hospital, they show you the old fashioned way. So they show you a vial and a syringe that you have to like take out of a package and like draw your dose out and all this stuff. And I'm like, how am I going to remember how to do this? Like really, really freaky. Right. And so, um, so then I find out that um, they showed me, they're like, okay, but like most people use these insulin pens. So it's a lot easier to operate the pen and everything from there. Um, so it wound up being not as scary as I thought that it was going to be because an insulin pen is very easy to use. Um, but so, so all that to say that like it was a major freak out. And the thing that kind of, um, the thing that kind of got me through that was that I said, well, am I going to be able to exercise normally? Like, am I going to have, like, I've always been a runner. And then I had also taken up, I was doing pole dance on the side. Right. And that was like, um, you know, like really important to me. I was getting really strong and I really love it. And it's like a, like time that I spend with other women where I feel really supported in the classroom and it's helped me feel so positive about my body. So I'm like, am I going to be able to go back to this and be normal? And they were like, yes, absolutely. You will be able to do all the things that you usually do, and you're just going to have to be more aware of yourself when you exercise because it affects your blood sugar. Exercise lowers blood sugar. So, um, so all that to say that um, that once I had been on insulin for a few weeks, you know, the first couple of weeks my body was adjusting and it was so hard. Like just physically, I'm feeling all these different symptoms. It's like. Um, learning to recognize a low blood sugar can be really scary because you're sitting there and then suddenly you're like sweating, you have the shakes, you're like, oh my gosh, my blood sugar is dipping. And then like, you're like, have it, you're, you feel like you want to eat everything when your blood sugar goes low like that. It's like, I had to learn how to recognize that and do all of that. But after that initial period of kind of like shock and sort of emotional disrupt past, um, my body was adjusting and I was feeling really strong again, finally, because I was getting nutrition from the food that I was eating once again. Um, cause insulin is what helps the body be able to process carbohydrate and give you energy. Right. So without it, you know, you, you feel so like dead and fatigued and weak. And so once you have it again, the body is adjusting, you get like this, like flushed feeling of like health. And I remember there were times like after exercise where I would feel like really euphoric again. And it had been so long since I felt really, really good. Um, and so I like, as I started to feel really a lot stronger, I really like went full blown and just kind of embraced it. I was like, this feels so good to me and it feels so right. And like, I love doing my dance so much. Um, and I love spending time on the pole so much. And I feel like I'm getting so strong. I feel like so in my center and so like right with who I am when I'm doing this, um, that I kind of just embraced it and like, let it take over a bigger and bigger part of my life. Um, so, uh, so I asked the studio owner for, of the studio that I go to currently, um, I was like, Hey, do you know, can I talk to you about like how you become a pole dance instructor? Like, how do you teach other people to do this? How do I like, what's, how can I take this further in my life and spend more time, um, dancing and helping other women, um, dance and 
be happy with themselves because that's how it made me feel. Um, yeah. And so, and coincidentally, she was like, oh, I'm like looking for an extra teacher actually right now to take over some of these morning classes, you know, come on in and we'll talk about it. And so it all just went from there. Uh, it just wanted being a really like fortuitous thing that she was looking for a teacher at the time that I was like, hey, I think I want to be, um, be an instructor and spend more time doing this thing that's making me feel so good and happy and healthy. Um, especially when, uh, when I had gone through all that struggle with my body to have something that was making me feel so good and so strong. And so like, you know, um, so like, yeah. yeah. Pole dancing is <clears throat> hardcore. I mean, yeah. we're just gonna, I, oh man, I, okay. So just as, Cirque du Soleil has, mm -hmm. you know, you you technically see pole dancing in yes. Cirque du Soleil when those guys are climbing up the poles and sticking their bodies out in like a perpendicular fashion. Yes. I'm like, holy crap. So, yeah, I love that these classes have popped up everywhere. Mm -hmm. I have not personally done one. Um, mm. I don't even know where one is around here. But I mean, I feel like I would probably just slide down the pole onto a mush of whatever in the floor. But yeah. I would love to to at least attempt it. But I mean... It's hardcore. So I think that's so great. You were using that to kind of get back on track. It's making you feel really good. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll talk about this later as far as where people can find you. But so you're you're basically teaching mm -hmm. now. You're teaching. I mean, you're doing, are you doing all your regular other exercise stuff or? Yeah. So I still, um, I still run. I'm pretty active with that. Um, and uh, I, I've always like, I, I used to hate running. And then um, like my sophomore year of college, one day I got on the indoor track at the gym and was like, okay, 10 minutes, just keep running and don't stop. You're going to do it. And I did. So like I started just setting little mental challenges for myself with running and then eventually um, stayed, I stayed with it and then eventually got so good with it that, um, that I trained for half marathons and ran the La Jolla half and the Carlsbad half here in San Diego a couple years ago. Um, and, uh, and so it's always been like kind of my go-to cardio cause you don't need a gym or anything else to do it. And I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't tell you like what switch flips in your head that makes you love running when you hate it. Um, cause I know a lot of people that are like, I freaking hate running. And like, I, I, I don't know how to like, I don't know how to describe, like describe it, but, um, but, um, yeah, I still do that on the side. And then, yeah, my, my primary exercise is, is being on the pole. Um, oh, and then also I do, um, I do, uh, conditioning for contortion and flexibility. Uh, so I work with somebody that is actually a circus performer. Um, and she teaches, um, like kind of a system of flexibility based on her contortion work, uh, that has like, oh, like she is very sought after and she has very limited availability for clients. So I'm really lucky that I get to work with her. Um, but, uh, that's my other form of exercise is like really working on flexibility stuff. So yeah, so my whole like life is centered around, um, like that more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Being on the pole. I like that. Wrong hashtag being on the pole. Um, yes. <laughs> well, good. Well, we are on a podcast that's called Can I Eat This? So yes. we've got to talk about what was your major thing that you cut out food wise? Or did you really cut anything out? Yeah. I'm really excited to talk about this actually, because I feel like, um, like this is one of the big issues with diabetes and talking about diabetes is that we have type one and type two diabetes they have the same core symptom, right? Elevated blood sugar, but they are not the same in causes and they're not the same in treatment. And so it, with a type two diabetic, um, a lot of times this is the one that people know from having relatives, older relatives usually that have had to make dietary or lifestyle adjustments mm -hmm. to control their blood sugar. Um, for type one diabetics, it's not really quite the same because the issue doesn't have to do with 
your insulin resistance, it has to do with that your body is not making the insulin at all. So in theory, type one diabetics can have whatever we want. The problem though, is that we have to regulate everything and we have to know what we're eating. So you can't just eat as many carbs as you like and guess your insulin intake because um, insulin can be dangerous. If you take too much insulin, you're going to make your blood sugar go low. You can pass out. If you don't take enough insulin regularly, your blood sugars are going to elevate. If they stay there long enough, that will cause lifelong complications. So you're looking at um, having uh, nerve damage. Um, It starts in your extremities, but it can be other places in your body as well. You're having eye issues. You can have um, eventually loss of limbs. There's like so many things um, if you let blood sugar go uncontrolled. So type ones are allowed to eat what we want, but we have to always be regulating ourselves. Your body should do it for you, but because your body is not regulating your blood sugar for you, you have to do it manually. And right. So, yeah. It is the reason for you regularly checking yes. your blood sugar and exactly. making sure that- Exactly. Yeah. So that yeah. said though, um, I am- Oh, I'm a little bit of a control freak about diet. I will say this. Um, I'm, I'm in a healthy range with it now. And I'm very, um, and like I said, I've always been pretty healthy um, and pretty conscientious about what I eat. So like, that's my personal thing is like, I'm a vegetarian and uh, I focus, um, I don't know, like I've, I've dabbled in veganism and, um, and I definitely am like, I've always eaten a lot of vegetables and been like more or less really healthy. But the key thing that I had to look out for or change was that, um, I was definitely a carb monster before and it was like peanut butter sandwich, breakfast, lunch, and dinner if I wanted to. Um, Mm -hmm. and now what I've learned about peanut butter sandwich is like, it's a whole bunch of carbs and a little bit of fat and like a tiny bit of protein. And so what I've done basically is just reversed it. So I'm like, okay, like the more carbs that I eat, the more insulin I have to take. And also I don't feel full if I eat a sand, like a little peanut butter sandwich. I'm like, so clear that's not, a- so what I'll do is I'll go, okay, let's go for something that has a lot more fiber in it. Uh, let's go for something that's really protein dense. So I don't have to take insulin for it. Right. So if I eat like, like eggs, for example, that's a carb free carb-free meal. So like I can have eggs, like go to, I can go to like a big junky breakfast. That's just like a big nasty omelet with like eggs and cheese. I'm like, no carbs. So like, so I don't have to inject insulin for that um, at the moment, you know, and I don't have to worry about it. And then like later I might see like a, like a little uptake in my blood sugar. It just takes longer to break down into, into glucose. But, um, anyway, all that to say though, yeah, key thing was just that I had to stop like uh, eating so many carbs or that I chose to stop eating so many carbs because I wanted to have a little bit more control over my sugar and I wanted to have more regulated blood sugar levels as opposed to like giving myself a big spike um, and then uh, like dealing with it later. So yeah, so that's the key thing that I've changed is like I didn't really understand macronutrients or what use macronutrients have. And like as a reminder, that's carbohydrates, fats, and proteins are your macros. Um, and I never used to pay attention to that before. And now I actually do look at it. And I think it's been to my benefit. Like I've put on muscle um, at like I never have in my life because I finally understand, oh, like protein. I have to eat. I have to, I have to actually eat protein now. Um, and so I, I, I turned out for the better for it, I think, um, remarkably. Yeah. And, and, and it's. I, I like that you're that you do regulate. I know I, I have known some people who don't, you know, kind of monitor that mm. stuff they just kind of go and try to you know whatever eat the same way they were mm. eating before mm-hmm. um and that kind of stuff i think it's good that you're you're monitoring that stuff mm. and you know the macros are important mm-hmm. and you can get that stuff on your label some of it yeah. you know also you guys there are apps out there now i mean we're in the age of smartphones mm. there are apps that you can 
monitor your macros and your mm-hmm. micro. I mean, you know, it's yeah. all there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're great. And they will coordinate with your fitness apps too. I don't know if you, do you have a, fa- a favorite fitness yeah, app? So, um, so I use, I have a Fitbit and so I use that to just track my daily, like my steps and everything. Um, and then yeah. I have uh, my fitness pal and I like it because the database for food on it is like really expensive. You can find almost everything. You can also scan a barcode on a package with it. So like if I go to the grocery mm-hmm. store and buy something I don't usually buy, I can just scan the barcode and it goes into my little food log. Um, and that, and you, unfortunately you do have to have, if you want it to total your macros per meal, you have to have a paid account. But if you just want to see your macros at the end of the day and see where you fall percentages wise, I think that the regular, uh, free account will let you do that. Um, and I really, I don't, I'm not as reliant on it now as I was before, but when I first got out of the hospital and was really counting my carbs and trying to understand how to like treat myself, I was using it all the time to see like how many carbs are in this meal, um, you know, how much, how much protein am I getting? And like, that was how, um, you know, it was like kind of like a reeducation of how to do nutrition. Cause I had understood basic like calorie counting and I understood, uh, like, you know, like looking at nutrients and vitamins and how, what am I getting and like, what do I need? But then I hadn't ever really thought about, Oh, like this is the breakdown of how much protein I'm getting and how much fat I'm getting. And, um, yeah. And, and once you, once you do it, mm-hmm. once you start doing it, um, you know, people, it's, it's, it can, um, sometimes be overwhelming mm-hmm. in the beginning, mm-hmm. but once you start doing it, it becomes easier. And then you just kind of, you know, like you said, even the apps, yeah. um, I use chronometer. Um, I love the barcode feature. Yeah. Um, it's, it's huge. Cause if it's not in there, if you type in, if you're typing in the food and it's not in there, then the barcode is there. Mm-hmm. And then you can also input mm-hmm. A lot of the apps allow you to input the label information. Totally. So mm-hmm. you can put put something in there that doesn't read either way, barcode or mm-hmm. you know if they don't have it in there. Yeah, and you can so also make rec- right. uh, re- make up recipes on the on the app as well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and so it'll all right. Total so out your yeah. So we know you like eggs. Okay. <laughs> so what is your what are your go to favorite like lunches and dinners? Yeah. So um so. Well, so what I had to do, uh, like, was, like, stop eating peanut butter sandwich for breakfast, which was my favorite freaking thing. So, um, instead, uh, I have not successfully I, – I have, like, a love affair with peanut butter, and anybody knows me knows that I'm like this, um, that, like, <laughs> that I will, like, eat peanut butter chronically and then, like, reach a point where I'm like, oh, my God, like, I have a problem, and, like, I'll stop buying it and then, like, post every day to my Instagram story about how much I miss it and, like, how many days it's been since I've had any peanut butter and uh, – and then I'm also, um, it's peanut butter and then nuts is the other thing that I really like to snack on. And I'll explain why in a second. But anyway, so now instead of eating peanut butter sandwich, I make a protein waffle. Um, and I will, oh. yes, and I found this online and this is a great idea. So what you want to do is you want to find a really great tasting protein powder. I use a plant-based protein. I think right now I have uh, like a chocolate flavored pea protein by Nutrisuma. It's relatively low carb. It has something like eight grams of carb. And then it also has like three grams of fiber. So it's only like 5G of net carbs. Uh, and you mix one big scoop of that protein powder with an egg and then a little bit of almond milk. So it's something like maybe like a third to a half cup of almond milk, you get it to a nice thick consistency, put that in the waffle maker, and then it comes out like a perfect little waffle. And it's like, like 23, 24, like some, it's like a lot of protein, because you have your protein powder and the protein from the egg. 
And then uh, I slathered that with peanut butter, right? So instead of just getting the carbs from the bread, it is actually like protein. Yeah. So I put the peanut butter all over that. Um, and then uh, and then I'll put, and now that I've gotten a little bit more relaxed with my carb counting, I'll put like banana on it or I like to have berries and stuff with it. Berries are really good um, for diabetics as far as like fruits that you can eat that are high in fiber that won't spike your blood sugar. So, um, so I put, I usually do berries and stuff like that. So that's my breakfast, right? Is like to have that protein waffle. My other favorite breakfast is, uh, I like Greek yogurt a lot. Um, and I have learned that if you mix in a little bit of whey protein, like it can, I don't know, like it, it makes it a really, really protein rich meal. Um, and so you can knock mm-hmm. out a lot of your protein requirement first thing in the day, like early in the day. Um, lunch wise, I tend to be a really big, like raw vegetable and salad eater. And it also saves me a lot of time on cooking. So like, I like to cut up, um, peppers, carrots, cucumbers. And again, like all these high fiber, like vegetables are not a lot of net carbs at the end of the day. So like you can, um, have a really big salad that has a lot of vegetables in it. And as long as you don't have a lot of starchy things, um, it's, it comes out to really low carbohydrate for protein on that. I am addicted to these little, um, veggie Frankfurters that are not soy based. Cause I can't have, I soy is like gastrointestinally like the devil for me. I can't, I can't have soy, um, without getting too into it. Like it's very bad. So, um, <laughs> so like vital wheat gluten is my savior though. I don't have a wheat allergy. I don't have issues digesting wheat. Wheat is one of the things that's okay for me. Um, so I um, I love this brand called Field Roast that makes these amazing um, vital wheat gluten products. And so they have these veggie frankfurters that are like 200 calories per little frank. And, uh, and it's like 20 grams of protein in a little, in a little veggie dog. And so I will cut that up and put that on a salad or like, I love, uh, beyond meat burgers are really good. They're super dense protein. It's like 23 grams of protein. Um, and then I've also kind of reintroduced, um, I will occasionally eat fish now. And so sometimes I'll do tuna, although like I try to like watch my tuna consumption, it's high in mercury, whatever. But, um, but I will do that sometimes too. And then, uh, like dinners I tend to do, I go back to like protein, um, sometimes I do just like a protein shake cause I usually have class at night. Um, and so that mm. I, I have like a little addiction to like protein ice cream. So I'll blend up like a, like a low calorie or low carb ice cream with an extra scoop of protein powder. Um, I do, uh, um, or like, I, I don't know, like I try to find something satisfying at the end of the night and then like my snacks. Um, so like, this is where the nuts come in. I freaking love nuts. Um, sometimes I have to regulate myself on the nuts. Again, this is like a snack that is relatively low carb. It's pretty high in fat. It will cause like a slow rise in my blood sugar eventually, but it won't do it like right off the bat. So I feel like it's safe to snack on nuts sometimes and not have to worry about having a blood sugar spike and not take insulin. So like I am, I am a little like I'm, I can be a real freak about it. (laughs) Like I'll buy a can of nuts from CVS and then like down it. And I think it's because I don't, I don't like binge on um, like chips or popcorn or like even tortilla chips as much anymore as I used to. And so I feel like that like nuts kind of satisfy that for me. So like they're, they're, um, they're like a favorite snack, but then it's also something that I have like a little bit of like a, like a, like I'll suddenly be like, ah, like I'm out of control. Like I can't, you guys, like I can't have any more nuts. Um, and it's something that people know about me to the extent that like one of my poll students gifted me a can of nuts for Christmas. And I was like thrilled, like so excited, so happy. Um, so it's a little bit of like a, a wacky thing, but they are a good snack. They're very high in, uh, and they're in healthy flat fats. And then they're also like almonds have a lot of vitamin E, certain nuts have a lot of magnesium in them, which are really good for muscle recovery. Um, so yeah, yeah. they're a nutrient dense 
and also a calorie dense, unfortunately, but they're a nutrient dense food. Yeah, that's where it gets tricky. I I love nuts myself too. That's that's been my go to since uh-huh. all this is um, my story four years ago. But I, nuts are also um, almonds, especially. Yes. Uh, but also, they're wanting me to incorporate some walnuts and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, you're right. It, it's 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 good fat. There's some mm-hmm. fat. It's good fat. It's got some other really good stuff mm-hmm. in it. Um, but yeah, I love I love the nuts. Um, all right. Well, listen. God, I, I appreciate you chatting with us today. Yeah. And where can people, if they want to come take a class, where can they find you? Totally, yeah. So I am down in San Diego, and uh, and I teach at Funpole Fitness. Um, so we're right in the heart of North Park, um, and which if you know San Diego at all, it's a great neighborhood. And we have our little studio, and uh, we do everything. Um, if you come in to take a pole class, don't be intimidated. Um Everyone is so friendly and we're here to like help you learn and we want you to feel good about yourself. Um, and so we do very basic like like intro level classes. They are challenging because we're teaching you to do pull-ups on the pole and to sit on the pole and climb the pole. And so it's hard at first, but you're going to just amaze yourself with how fast you're going to get strong. Um, and then we do intro to choreography classes where you can um, do, do a little sexy, wear the heels, you're going to learn to spin around the pole. Woo-hoo. Yes, exactly. Um, and that's kind of my, uh, my specialty in a way. I do a lot of sexy stuff pole dance so you can find fun pole <laughs> fitness in san diego um if you're in la there are a bunch of studios up there that are really amazing like world-class amazing teachers um and so i've taken classes before at um and i don't mind shouting out these studios i think they're all great um luscious maven is a great one i think it's in north hollywood uh beast bun is another good one i think that one is in west hollywood the vertitude is out in like Canoga Park. So it's further away, but they also have really amazing classes like LA, like I'm envious of you. Like you have a wealth of amazing pole dance studios that you can go and take class at. Um, so I just need to get on it then. I'm just, yeah. um, I need to. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's intimidating. Your first, my first pole class, I was like, definitely like, Oh my God. Like, you know, like most pole studios have coverings on the windows, you know, cause they want it to be a little bit more intimate and private. Usually you need skin yeah, exposed private. to, yeah, yeah, you need skin exposed to stick to the pole. So like sometimes you're like revealing a little bit more skin than you're used to and at first, especially. So you're like, oh my God. So you want everyone to feel comfortable, but then it has this effect on people that like when you're walking by and you can't really see what's going on inside, you're like, what do they do in there? So, um, <laughs> so I assure you that it's not, um, you know, mostly we'll find very friendly, um, very welcoming people, uh, especially for women, men can pole dance too. Um, but I feel like it, it has a special place, um, for women that it's such a female dominated sport, um, that, that groups of women tend to like collect and really form sisterhoods at pole studios. It's a really beautiful thing. So I think so too. I think that's one of the cool things about it mm-hmm. is that it's, you feel connected mm-hmm. with your, with your class and your group. Mm-hmm. And all that Definitely. All right, girl. Well, listen, I appreciate you. And um, everybody, you can uh, head over to the website, the caneiteatthispodcast.com if you want to see uh, see Miss Jessica. And of course, um, if you forgot everything she just said and you want to go there and <laughs> click on her <laughs> her link of where you can find her, it will be there. Yay. All right, girl. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.